Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. As promised, I would like to share a very short story of um, from an interview that I did with Eva Goulette and the Dancing Jaguar Inspirations. Um, this is from camps that she conducts with children, teaching them how to use um, their intuition and spiritual guidance and tools. And so enjoy. At one of the Dancing Jaguar spirit camps, there was a child who was around 12 years old when um, she was experiencing some really dark times in her life and had started uh, cutting as a coping mechanism. And her therapist and her mom uh, thought that spirit camp would be a really good place for her to explore um, her inner world and start creating her own little toolbox. So they sent her to spirit camp and this child was just thriving throughout the course of the week and really doing beautifully. And one of the big teachings we do at the end of the week is to teach children how to move uh, what I call yucky um, feelings, that yucky sensation we get, that knot in our stomach when something's just not quite right, when something is off, we feel it in our solar plexus. And I do a, a big teaching around how to move that energy from our solar plexus up and out of our bodies. And we blow that energy into a pine cone and then we offer it to the fire and we do a teaching around transmutation, which is how um, fire um, changes that energy um, and neutralizes it, that yucky energy that the child has um breathed into the pine cone and offered to the fire. So there's a big teaching around energy, moving energy, removing it from our bodies, transmuting it with the help of the element of fire. And um, the day after spirit camp ended, this child's grandmother had a stroke and she was going to pass away. And the mom emailed me that morning and said she was really frightened that her child was going to start cutting again and asked me for some advice. And I told her to remind her child of her spirit toolbox. And if she wanted to speak to me directly to please call me and I would be there for her. Well, the next day I received an email from the mom who said she was writing through her tears because her daughter had come to her the day before and said, we need to do a fire ceremony for grandma and we need to all write letters to her and read them while we're standing around the fire and then we're going to burn them 
and the fire will transmute that energy and the smoke will carry our words up to heaven. So when she dies, she will have letters from all of us waiting for her. And the mom said she understood then that her child was going to be okay. And she understood the um, importance of this spirit toolbox that her child left spirit camp with. And she felt like her, her daughter now had tools to be able to manage um, her self-care when she was faced with difficulties in life from that point on. And it was a turning point for that child that summer. Today, I am super excited to have back on the show one of my favorite people, William Stillman. Psychic medium William Stillman is the internationally known award-winning author of the Autism and the God Connection book trilogy that explores aspects of spiritual giftedness in many people with autism. These books encompass Autism and the God Connection, The Soul of Autism, and The Autism Prophecies. He, his other books, A Paranormal Genre, in, include The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in Our Everyday Lives, Conversations with Dogs, A Psychic Reveals That Our Canine Companions Have, to, or What Our Canine Companions Have to Say, and How You Can Talk to Them Too, Under Spiritual Siege, how ghosts and demons affect us and how to come combat them. Since 2004, Bill has worked professionally as a psychic and spiritual counselor. His accuracy in discerning the truth and making predictions that come to fruition has been acclaimed by his clients as truly extraordinary and ranks at 90 to 98% accurate. I'll let you go on and, and read the rest of it, but also you can go back and listen to some of Bill's other interviews. I think I've interviewed him twice now. And you you can ignore my dogs. <laughs> and um, Maybe they want to tell me something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So welcome back to the program, William. Thank you so much for having me, Marla. It's always a pleasure and you're a, you're a delight. So thank uh, you. Thank you. So today, like I said, before we started, I just, I was thinking just questions that I, um, that's how I usually come up with my guiding questions, what I want to <laughs> listen to and hear about, because I I assume that, you know, if I'm curious, most, many other people are curious. So mm -hmm. I want to talk about your conversations with dogs as psychic reveals what our canine companions have to say. Why, why did you decide to write this book? Well, it actually started out as a result of going into people's homes when I was doing autism consultations. Right. And oftentimes the family dog would kind of gravitate to me. Sometimes it would park itself right in front of me, look up at me, you know, with those big brown eyes, sometimes <laughs> put a paw in my lap and look up at me and I was sort of feeling as though the dogs wanted to tell me things and sure enough they did and <laughs> the owners were verifying that and you know I'm a big walker I go for an hour-long walk every morning and in the community in which I used to live when I wrote the book Conversations with Dogs there were a lot of dogs mm -hmm. and so I would sort of have to gauge whether or not the owners might be open to what it 
was that I had to share, but the accuracy of what these animals were telling me was always verified by these folks. And I thought, my gosh, this was an aspect of my personhood that I never really gave a lot of thought to, mm -hmm. but I figured maybe this would be interesting to people if there was a book about the conversations that I've had with dogs, the interactions, their insights, their perspectives. Sometimes they spill the beans a little bit too. <laughs> and and then also give people uh, in the book uh, ex exercises on how they can try to practice doing this with their own animals. Because I'm always a big believer in, in takeaways and that I'm nothing and nobody special. And, you know, anybody could be doing what I do as well. So that's that was the impetus behind yeah. writing writing the book. Right. Uh, so can you tell us a few of the, you've probably had so many, but just at what you've learned from the dogs or a couple of conversations that have just been, that would be interesting story to tell? Yep. Um, one of the things that I've learned from the dogs, and this is so fascinating to me, you know, they're they're spiritual creatures too, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they're born into this world. Most most of them are, I can't say all of them. Most of them are very conscious and aware of their stations to which they are assigned when they enter this world. And so it's very interesting uh, when I've met certain dogs and they communicate to me, um, in my household, I'm the comic relief because, because in my household, there's addiction or abuse. And I'm tr uh, my, my purpose is to create some, some levity and to try to diffuse some tense situations, you know. Um, you know, I feel that in my own family. I mean, our, the, the last puppy that we got, she, you know, we, we had gone through a family tragedy and, uh, and I, I remember. <laughs> yes. And she, she is the, just the love dog, you know, just can't get enough of it, including my husband. None of my dogs ever really paid much attention. Oh my gosh. Cosmo loves everyone. And I know she was brought, brought to us and brought into this universe that, to help us with that, you know, and it's, it's just beautiful. Yep. There are a number of animals. Uh, the book is about dogs, but I know that cats mm -hmm. do this too, and, and maybe other animals, but there are a number of animals whose station it is to be healer. And so I don't know that people are fully aware of the degree to which these, these creatures are sacrificing their own lives by bodily laying up against household members who are suffering from a physical ailment and they will lay against the affected area of the body with the intention of trying to absorb into their own body oh. the, the toxins of the pain and discomfort or the anomaly that the person is experiencing. And so often then, and I don't know that people are connecting the dots, right. often then often then 
that dog then develops internally a similar ailment that leads to their demise. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating, Marla, because on a number of occasions, I have had dogs tell me they were dying before anyone knew and before they were diagnosed with anything officially. And they've consistently shown me the same symbol to communicate that their time was drawing near. And they show me this beautiful sunset, this this coral, scarlet, orange sky, and the sun slowly sets down behind the horizon until it goes black. Wow. So what do you do with that knowledge? Well, I don't, I, I, yeah. I haven't, haven't said, I mean, that's not my place because right. uh, first of all, I don't want to upset anyone. Secondly, I could always be misinterpreting something and be completely wrong. So I've never said anything, but what I will tell you is consistently people have always followed up to say, um, the dog was diagnosed with something terminal and they had them euthanized. Right. Wow. Consistently that's happened. But isn't that a beautiful symbol, a beautiful way of showing it with the the slowly setting sun? And they don't think in terms of life and death or the finality of it um, because they've done it so many times before. Right. They know They know exactly what's happening, where they're going, and they're more concerned about trying to comfort us. And that's why, you know, the dog that's about to be euthanized still looks up at us with those big brown eyes and, and wags its tail because they're trying to comfort us. They're not concerned about themselves. They're trying mm-hmm. to let us know that everything is okay. Wow. It's extraordinary. Now you wanted a story too. Yes, so yes. Give you a story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my father had a dog, an, uh, an Australian shepherd named Maggie, and um, I didn't like Maggie, and the feeling was mutual. <laughs> <laughs> I found her to be a little uh, a little too aggressive, a little too assertive. Um, she, I don't think she was as well-disciplined as she could have been. She was constantly trying to um, herd people yeah. anytime any you got up to go anywhere she would be there nipping at your heels and it was I didn't like this dog um I like you know 99% of dogs but this one and I just did not hit it off it's mm-hmm. so um we were all sitting out on the porch one day and my my father and his wife my stepmother were there and we were talking about my book conversations with dogs and my my stepmother said do you think Maggie would talk to you. And I said, Oh, oh, I, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> and I said, but because maybe I was afraid of what she had to say. <laughs> so uh, remind me to tell you another story where I had a dog curse, curse. Okay. Uh, okay. But <laughs> and I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on your program. Yeah, you you can curse on oh, my I program. Could? Okay. Sweetheart. All right. But uh, <laughs> So anyways, I started talking to Maggie and it was so interesting because what she told me was that she had a lot of anxiety about my father. He owns some property on the mountain behind his house and he goes up there every day with her on a walk. And what she was communicating to me was her, this internal conflict that she was feeling 
if anything should happen to him while they're on the mountain alone, should her dilemma was, should I stay with him or should I go back home and try to get help? And my stepmother said, oh, my gosh, your father and I were just having an argument about this because he refuses to carry his cell phone with him when he goes up on the mountain. Wow. And so I assured Maggie that it would be okay. And um, and we got along after that, believe it or not. Interesting. <laughs> wow. She may have prevented something, you know. Well, yeah. So tell us about the dog. Oh, yeah, and you have to curse. And I don't I don't curse and swear. As a general rule, I, I sometimes relapse a little bit, but not directed in anger at people. That's something I don't do. Yeah. So this me, is very embarrassing. This is very embarrassing for me, but I think it's kind of funny. And if your your listeners will will grant me a little bit of le- uh, leeway here, I'll tell the story about being cursed at. Uh, it was uh, at Halloween time and uh, a, a, a pet groomer had me come in and as a special offer to their clientele, I was there to do re- psychic readings on dogs. And <laughs> which is really interesting. It's so, really cool. It was Halloween time and people dressed up their dogs. So this mother and daughter brought to me a dog that was dressed as a pumpkin. And the body part of it was the equivalent of um, like an orange trash bag to look like the pumpkin and then on the head there was like something with elastic and a stem like for the top of the pumpkin and so I I always say a blessing before I do any work and I say the blessing and I say to the dog is there anything that you would like to tell me and it says get this shitting thing off of me it's fucking hot (laughs) Oh, that is so funny. And so I, <laughs> I repeated it to the mother and daughter. And I, I said, um, where did this dog, this was a first, like I'd never had that happen before. Right. I said, where did, the, where did this dog learn to talk like that? And they said, well, we, we talk like that at home. Oh my goodness. But I do want to tell people, dogs, they don't like that. They don't like being, they don't like having stuff put on their paws, like funny shoes. They don't like all the, you know, maybe a little bandana. But this dog, I mean, this dog was telling me in no uncertain terms, get him out of this costume because he didn't like it. It was restricting his movement. It looked ridiculous. And it was, as he said, it was hot. Yeah, yeah. Did they take it off? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yes. <laughs> okay. So there was a good ending. And hopefully they think a little bit more about how they speak at the home too. Well, yes. I Because I said, where did this learn, dog learn how to talk like this? So, Interesting. Oh so my gosh. Funny, thank, funny thank, story. thank you for sharing yeah. that. <laughs> so um, what can a pet owner, what can they do to to maybe relate, you know, better with their dog and have a little bit of this intuition or telepathic conversation? I think one of the most important things that a pet owner could do is to 
get into the habit of thinking more like their animal. And by that, I mean, not just um, sniffing and smelling and focusing on what you're going to eat. And also, I'm talking about meditation because these animals live in silence and they live in a virtual perpetual state of meditation for living in silence. And because of that, they are constantly spiritually connected. So you think about who else lives like that, you know, virtually no spoken words. Right. And we're talking about the nun, the monk, the yogi, the guru, the rabbi. And some of the, I know you said the, the autistic people and people who with are autism, people with autism yes, who yes. do not speak, people with autism who don't speak, people with CP who don't speak people with other sorts of neurological um, experiences where uh, they're precluded from uh, articulating uh, verbal language. It's all the same thing. And mm. again, it's a perpetual state of meditation. And so what I would strongly recommend is that people kind of exercise that muscle and spend some time listening to some guided meditations and then trusting in their own intuition right. when because it's really just a form of mother's intuition P pet owner's intuition exactly. is a form of mother's intuition right and just tr you have to trust that mm -hmm. and just trust if you feel as though your your animal wants to tell you something if you feel that there's something in particular that they want to do or a place they want to go, or if you feel as though they might be experiencing some pain and discomfort, trust your gut. Right. And, and that's called clairsentience. That's one of the five gifts of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's Marla, it's not rocket science. It's very simple, but the stumbling block and obstacle for so many people is developing the confidence to trust right to believe their it. intuition to believe in their intuition yeah yeah that's so all. true yes I love that I try to be with my doggies I have two labradoodles that are laying here and I did want to mention Daisy because she's like the most beautiful dog so, you know I was talking about Cosmo earlier <laughs> so I want to mention both of them you don't want to exclude but, anybody here <laughs> I don't want to exclude anybody and Yes, like whenever I'm going anywhere or maybe something, I just visualize it in my mind and just, exactly, and just yes. yeah, and then very good that, you know, well, that's one dog. of the exercises in my book, right? Well, tell us about that. Yeah, and, and getting into the habit of communicating to them in the way that they best communicate. They don't think in terms of obviously, you know, spoken or verbal language. Right. They think in they think in terms of um, images, pictures, movies, things that they are able to recall in memory. You'll see this when a dog is dreaming, and they'll you know, yes, <laughs> you know they're chasing yes. a rabbit or whatever, it's right? So true. So they're they're reliving that memory, and then they also think in terms of um, impulses that we would associate with uh, emotions or feelings. And so it's, you know, it's very, very simple, but very primitive. And if you can, can be open to um, sending or receiving information in that way, like you said, um, 
you're planning on going out somewhere, for example, so you're going to be gone for a period of time. Right. What I would do is to, you don't have, well, you can say it too, if you want to, they're not necessarily going to understand the words, but they'll understand the emotion behind the words, but you can send it to them in your head, in your thoughts. You can picture where you'll be. You can let them know that you'll be back before it gets dark or before uh, your children come home from school or before it's time for, for dinner or something that they would re relate to in terms of time because they're not gonna read a clock. Right. And, um, and just get practice that. Yeah. And um, so there's exercises in the book like that, that people can Wonderful. try. Wonderful. Yes, I do that also when I'm like tomorrow, I'm going back to California for a few days. And I just let them know and let them know that Carly's going to be here and taking them on their walks and, you know, that sort of thing. And it just, yeah. it feels right. You know, it feels. Well, I'm sure right. that it, it reduces their anxiety over right. wondering or worrying what to expect. I mean, right. you would do the same, you would do the same thing with your child. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So let's segue a little bit. Um, and I don't know if it's really a segue because they're really interwoven. I think um, just talking about autistic um, people who are autistic and not speaking and those who do speak, mm -hmm. but um, in, in your book, let's see, what is the one that I want to talk about? The autism prophecies. Oh. This is um, you write about how the sole purpose of individuals with autism are, I'm not sure if these are exactly your words, but paraphrased, are here to share their spiritual gifts and talents to help usher in a new age of truth and enlightenment and to remind us that we are all more alike than different. Can you talk about that? That's such a profound statement. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, uh, the Autism Prophecies is actually the third book yes. in a in a trilogy. So each book can be read separate from the other, but I think it's also helpful if you read them in sequence. But uh, just like, and and I I want to be very clear in stating I'm not comparing people with autism to dogs. Yes, yes. But uh, we are talking about the commonality of being without speech. And what I have found also is that those individuals with autism who don't talk are also uh, very acutely spiritually aware for the same reasons, because they're engaged in a um, virtually perpetual state of meditation. Mm -hmm. And so they are keenly aware of their purpose, their role, their station. They know what they signed up for in this life. And so they are very much teachers around some of the most fundamental and salient themes of the human experience, mm -hmm. you know, uh, un unconditional love, kindness, patience, compassion. And I've seen this consistently in my work. This is my 36th year. Wow. My 36th year working in this field. Yeah. I got to tell you, I just recently encountered the mother of a little boy that I met when he was very, very young. 
and it blew me away. She showed me a picture and he's 34 now. Oh my gosh. And I could not, a beard, beard and mustache. It still doesn't, still doesn't talk. Um, his name is Michael and it's Michael who actually concludes the book Autism and the God Connection. It's his uh, credo that concludes that book. When he I was remember a child, that. When he was a child, he wrote this credo and I thought how fitting to conclude the book with that. And now he's in his 30s wow. and I couldn't believe it. But his mother said to me, you changed his life. Wow. And I thought, oh my gosh. Tell no. us a little bit about, about him and about his his credo. Well, I, I, I lost tr track with him uh, of him. And so it was, it was wonderful to re reconnect with his mother. Yeah. But I, I remember so significantly the, the, the credo uh, uh, that he uses uh, to describe his experience. And he talks, and this speaks to what I was just discussing around this, this spiritual awareness. Right. He says, uh, most people are a broken soul in a whole body. He says, I'm a whole soul in a broken body. Oh my gosh. And he wrote this? As a child. Wow. And this was like, I, 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 his mother said I met him 30 years ago. I don't know if it was that far back, but pretty close. Yeah. And um, isn't that profound That's to have so that profound. kind of insight? And this and, is a kid who doesn't talk. So he, he typed this out. Right. And was it that you validated him and... I, I believe you, so, Borla. Yeah, yeah. I think, that I think was... that's what he needed. Right, right. I think that's of what course. he needed. And, and he was also, I mean, I'm hoping things are getting better, They a little bit perhaps, but he was growing up during a time where um, the diagnosis of autism came with a lot of gloom and doom yeah, and, yeah. and a, lot of, a lot of limitations for what not to expect of him. Oh, I hate that language. Of what not to, I mean, what about the beautiful things to expect, you know, and the challenging things, but that's with every human being. I have known so many people who were told um, they'll never do this. They'll never do that. They'll never. And they're college graduates now wow. because they grew, and they grow up and became adults, you know, mm. and they've defied, they've defied the odds. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, First of all, I would like, I know what you're, you're referring to, but I'd like for you to expand a little bit that they know what they signed up for. So let's just talk about that first. Well, it's documented in my books and I think it's just a small sampling of how pervasive this is, but I have had um, people tell me and I've received accounts from parents all over the world that their child has told them, I, I picked you. I selected you. I just had this conversation with a mother um, whose 10-year-old son is, I think, uh, a musical prodigy. At 10 years old, he's playing mm -hmm. keyboard. He's playing guitar. This is his passion. Wow. And I, I said, you know, um, they, weren't, they weren't disciplining him. Mm. And so um, I said to her, no pity, no pity. All children need discipline. All children need household rules enforced with fair and reasonable consequences. If you break the rule, I said, no pity. And she had been pitying him. And I said to her, he knows 
what he signed up for. He knows what he signed up for. And I said, mark my words, one day I'm going to turn on the television and see him rocking out and I'll think, oh my gosh, I knew that kid. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. But they, they know. They yeah. know. Yeah. I had one kid tell me, <laughs> <laughs> I picked my parents. I No, it was, I had the choice between my parents and a Japanese couple. And I picked my parents because learning to speak Japanese was too hard. <laughs> 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 funny oh my goodness yeah but, it's, um... but it's so people so um marla uh skeptics or even cynics could say well you know this is you're reading too much into it or you're you're embellishing it too much but i was very stringent when writing these books um none of the people that contributed to them knew each other and so people from the world over were consistently telling me the same things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the books are beautiful. I don't know how you refute that. Yeah. Right, right. Well, there's always going to be skeptics and there's always, sure. you know, that's, the, but um, it's, it's interesting because I, I, well, I do know some, some autistic individuals, but it's not closely in my, you know, affecting my day to day. And I, I couldn't stop reading those books. They're just so fascinating. And I think one reason is that just the spiritual and God connection of those with autism, but also, which I would like to talk about is the, how, and we talked about this in another interview. Someone said to me that once as the physician that worked a lot with well, a lot of different things, but that in a certain time period, there are going to be more autistic individuals in this world than whatever you want to call everybody. You know, it, it, I'll say, I'm not even going to say normal. I can't say, I can't even Nor say Neurotypicals that. is the word. That, <laughs> Neurotypicals. Yeah. Yes. Well, what, it's interesting because I think in one of my books, I, I was predicting that by a certain year, um, it would be one in 10 children. But I think- right because it was so fascinating that as we were going along there for a period of time, like every six months, the statistics got revised mm -hmm. and it kept narrowing and getting narrower. Uh, but I think what, what curtailed that was when the diagnostic and statistical manual was revised. Yes. And so it, it did away with specific uh, diagnoses under the autism umbrella and it, it just put everything into this category of autistic disorder, which is a word I don't use because it's a very clinical term. Yeah. And it, it, and it disorder is not and a it good can, word. It, right. It can immediately connotes something is terribly wrong, but that's a clinical term. But, and so it, it seemed for a time as though the diagnoses had leveled off, but I, I haven't kept track with where that is now, but no, I, I it's not a bad thing. I mean, the, the world needs, more sensitive people in it. And you know, what's curious is autism is four to five times more likely in males. And I think the world needs more sensitive males in it as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's not to say, of course, that, and if you could comment on this, is that it can be very difficult also. Absolutely. And I've also been very careful in what I've written uh, not to be all inclusive of the entire autism community because right. there have been some people with autism 
that have um, pretty strongly criticized me and they don't feel any uh, spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've been very clear in saying that I, I don't presume to speak for all people, but some, and th these are some um, interesting themes and interesting anecdotes that I've gab gathered that seem to point to something bigger than what's on the surface. Right, right. So William, what do you, you've kind of alluded to it, but what the beauty of autism, what, what is, can it bring to this, to bring to this world, to humanity? Well, as, as you've said, I think, you know, until these um, individuals kind of begin to make peace with their bodies. And I've had people describe it as feeling like um, attempting to move in a body that feels like cement. Mm. You know, that's a process that takes a long time. And this is why we have very little people with autism who don't speak. And they have speech delays sometimes until you know, eight, nine years old. Sometimes they never speak at all. This is why we have people with autism that walk on their tiptoes so that they can really feel their legs <laughs> and have a sense of proprioception, which is where your body is in relation to the environment and so on. That's a process that takes time. And as you said, it is um, very trying very stressful for all parties involved. But what I will say is that I have had many parents and caregivers tell me that I, they've said I am a better person. I'm a more spiritual person. Um, I appreciate life so much more being the parent or the grandparent or the caregiver or the sibling of an individual on the autism spectrum because you're you're compelled to be in the moment and to be gracious and grateful for what you have now not everybody's cut out for that i get it i understand and there are lots of divorces that occur and and situations where people with autism are abused and so on but i i do always think that there is potential for hope and for people to fulfill their mission and their station, as we were talking about earlier, right. to be to be good and great teachers. Yes. And for us to help them find purpose and meaning in their lives, you know, I mean, so many on the autism scale are brilliant and, and prodigies and so good at math and so good at this and so good at that to open up, you know, these opportunities for them to, you know, to, to give back their love and their talents and all they have to offer this world. Exactly. And to see long-term the potential for them to be doing more than restocking the salad bar and, and cleaning and cleaning the bathrooms at the uh, right at the department store or yeah. wherever it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do want to reiterate the reason I first started talking about the book about the canine companions, and then I switched over is that I was reading. You know, we've talked about a lot of different things when you've come on the podcast, and 
like you said, not comparing, you know, animals. And so, so I just wanted to also reiterate that, that, that these are just two topics that I'm just hugely interested in. So, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Or tell us, uh, this is what I want to know. Let me change this question before you answer that. (laughs) What what is going on in this world right now? (laughs) It just seems from a psychic medium, you know, intuitive something that it just, it seems just so chaotic right now. And have you gotten any, yeah. What I have seen is an explosion of people who are now psychics or psychic mediums. And when I started doing this 20 years ago, I was aware of one other person in my general vicinity. Right, <laughs> and now, right. Now there are dozens. And I think, you know, people need to um, proceed with caution and um, and vet and research before they... Um, they make appointments with people. Um, you know, we're all at at uh, different um, different points on a learning curve, mm-hmm. and um, I think that uh, depending upon your uh, your tenure and your expertise, there should be uh, price points that are uh, set accordingly with that. And I still continue to hear stories about people being scammed. Mm. By, uh, just recently, this I did a Skype session with this lovely, lovely young gal, and she looked at me and she said, "Is there negative energy around me that's that's causing me harm?" And I said, "No, honey. Why? You're you're lovely. You've got a beautiful smile. You've got a great attitude." And she said, "I went to somebody else, and they said I have evil energy attached to me, and I need to come back and give her fifteen hundred dollars to have it removed." Oh my gosh. Marla, this is happening. This is not the first time I've heard this recently. And so people need to really do diligence in their research um, when uh, looking at consulting someone who is calling themselves psychic or psychic medium. Right, and, right. And, you know, just exercise caution. Right. Yes, absolutely. Or contact you. Or contact you to get referrals or contact me. Sure, absolutely. I know absolutely. quite a few. No, yeah. I have, you know, I teach uh, classes. Yes. On I have now six former students who are doing it professionally. Wow. Amazing. Who I think, who I think are outstanding and yeah. what they do. And the, the, the wonderful thing about them is each one has carved out a special niche for themselves. So um, one of them does, I don't, I, I don't know that anybody was still doing this anymore. One of them is doing palmistry and tarot. Interesting. Yeah. One of them is doing psychometry, which is mm-hmm. um, reading the energy of objects, right? And so um, I love that about the, these students where they've sort of carp. One of them um, has their own boutique of um, various things that they're selling and does uh, readings for people. So I love uh, that. I, I love that. And it's all, you know, it's all energy. It's all spiritual. It's all, as you said earlier, it's it's pretty simple. It's just it really quieting is. your mind and 
being present and trusting, but it takes. There it is. Yes. yes trusting. trusting. Yeah. That's the biggest obstacle. And so uh, that's what I have to um, work with my students around is you just have to develop that confidence to trust. And I tell them, and this, your, your listeners might, might appreciate this. What makes the distinction between what's a function of your own personal everyday imagination and what is exponentially most likely to be spiritual input is this. Once you say the prayer, once you say the blessing and you're setting intention, you're no longer working alone. And, and that's how you'll know it's not your imagination. And it's, it's any prayer that you have. It's not the, prayer. it's not a, right. right. It's right. not a specific prayer that you have to repeat and recite. And yes, you know, yes. it's very, very simple. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to some friends about this um, last night and that's what I said. You know, I was talking to them in the importance of intention when you do these things and they kind of looked at me like, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's just, it's so, so important. So, so the, inten the intention is, is merely pro projecting the, the ideal outcome of what it is that you right. wish, wish to achieve. That's right. all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So do you, um, in terms of that, a lot of people, you know, manifestation, the word is, is really big these days. So just, we need to wrap it up, but just comment on that projecting regularly, um, how you would like for, for something to be. That's how I've, um, uh, accomplished having books published. I've, I've seen the covers in my head. I've seen the contents in my head. And I've just pushed, I'm doing it right now, as a matter of fact, um, not in this moment, but with yeah. another project that I have coming up that I want to see published. And on a regular basis, I keep pushing it forward. And I, I am on the receiving end of, of little signs and signals that are telling me we're getting closer. We're picking up momentum because things start contributing to the intention. Right, right. That makes so much sense. Nice. It's, again, well, it's well, yeah. very, it's very, very simple, and I think people um, tend to uh, overthink it, right, and, right, and overanalyze it, and just you know, go with the flow, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Do you have any words of wisdom you would like it's to just share? It's always with us? a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, Marla. <laughs> and so maybe I'll leave people with just that is. Once you say the prayer or the blessing and you're setting your intentions, what you're receiving is no longer your imagination. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, thank you. And if people want to find you, how would they do that? They can find me at williamstillman.com or Facebook, William Stillman Psychic Medium. And I'm still putting up an original inspirational uh, quote that I get on my walks every morning and Marla, I have almost 3,400 of them saved up now oh, and they're all different. Yes. Well, how do you, I thought I signed up for those, but I don't, 
I don't do, should I just get them in, in my regular email or anyway, we can talk about this after. <laughs> I, I, I barely know how to use Facebook. Right, right. I, I don't, if you follow the page, don't you automatically get them? I thought you did. I've got to go back and, and check it out. So I'll do that. Okay. So, <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much. Wonderful to see you. It and was a pleasure. Um, thank you. yeah. And you have a great evening. Thanks so much, Marla. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.